but I'm not going to do that. I may end up reading notes, so who knows? I don't know. Um, you know, we were just singing uh, these songs that encourage us, right? We come in, we sing a worship song, and as I was singing that, um, as I've gotten older, I've gotten better as, as while a worship song is happening, um, I'm trying to apply those words to my heart in that moment. So even I'm not mindlessly worshiping, but I'm intentionally worshiping. And so while I was just doing that and trying to apply those words to me, of course we know that God um, is strong enough to fight battles, right? And we all like to say, yeah, God is fighting my battles, um, but then when we're in a battle or a struggle or an affliction or a trial, uh, don't we sometimes say, okay, God, where are you? <laughs> right? I mean, that's the truth. We're human. We feel that way sometimes. And so it's like a part of us has, we have the knowledge that God fights our battles, but we're not really sure how to understand that enough to apply that power through us and our mind and accept it by faith. Everybody say faith. That's going to be a big theme uh, when we talk about how to avoid the trap of offense. But, but while we were singing that, um, that the battle belongs to you, and I was uh, kind of nervous about tonight, and I just said, and I was singing that, and I said, Lord, the battle belongs to you, and how does that apply to this situation? I think what he's saying is, is I have the power. I'll come in and fight the battle kind of, Dorothy, come here, kind of alongside you. Like if he's in us in the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, raised a dead man, y'all, he was dead. Okay. If somebody was dead in here, that would be, okay. The same power that raised him is in you. And so when he's fighting your battles, he's asking you to come alongside of him, to not be afraid of the battle, to not be afraid of the criticism that he has for you. Not condemnation, but graceful criticism, graceful work in our life. He says, walk alongside me and my power will be perfected in your weakness. Okay, so he is fighting your battles, okay, but that includes us too. That doesn't leave us back in the camp while he's on the front lines. We're on the front lines, but it requires faith in us, okay, that he is alongside of us and that he is sufficient for us to be on the front lines and still have victory. Does that make sense? Okay, sorry, Dorothy, thank you. So as we go through this book, y'all, I've been reading this book, and I almost, the last couple of days, I've really, the enemy has really fought me on this, um, that I was not worthy to teach this, because I would, y'all, no lie, I'm going to be transparent these next five weeks, okay? Y'all, can y'all handle that? That just because I'm Pastor Matt's wife, that I'm not up here on a pedestal, like I'm way down here with you guys, okay? And as I would literally be sitting at the kitchen table, kids playing, Matt watching football or something, I'm reading the book. I get done with a chapter on offense, teaching me how to be mindful and, you know, the weapons to fight against offense. And he does something that upsets me, and I'm like, like overflowing with the fence. And then I walk away and I'm just like, oh my goodness, who's there with me? Have y'all ever been there with me? <laughs> like you leave a Sunday morning service and you feel like overflowing bubbly with the love of Jesus. And then you get in the biggest fight of your life with somebody or you're so offended or you said, did you see how she looked at me? Okay, like immediately. So... <laughs> It's, it's an ongoing process, and I want to tell you tonight, because I heard Trish say, ooh, she's going to step on our toes tonight by talking about offense. Okay, so God does, in a sense, step on our toes because we allow him, okay, into our vulnerable state to fix what is messed up. 
but it's also a safe place, full of grace. And I want to tell you, if you're in here and you're discouraged with how your spiritual walk is going um, and where your spiritual growth is at, um, I want to tell you that he loves you and that none of your mess-ups will have him stop loving you. It won't separate you from him saying, let's try it again. <laughs> right? If Abigail messes up, let's try. She may get a spanking, but let's try again. Okay? So God's saying, let's just try it again. <laughs> okay? I've read these first few chapters so many times to try to, like, absorb the information to give it back to y'all tonight. And I'm still going to be reading the notes because I just got to try it again. Okay? So when we mess up, we're just going to what? Try it again in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Lord, I submit to your grace. Lord, your anointing is welcome in this place. God, to work on our hearts and our minds. God, I don't know what's going to happen tonight, but I know that you are here. And I know that you will help us, Lord. And there's people all in this room that are in all different places of their spiritual walk and spiritual growth. But none of us are better than each other. Lord, there's no favoritism in your kingdom. You love us. You love each and every one of us. You're rooting us on. You see us, and you see where we're at. Lord, and we thank you for your grace that's going to help us get to where you want us to be. In Jesus' name. So, oh man, the correction. Ooh, when reading this book, it, it feels... Uh, it, it doesn't feel good, but being a daughter of the king, when he corrects you, there is something that does feel good about it. There is something good that happens. One day I was really broken at the table, and I'll share that a little bit later. Um, but it just feels good. Correction in Christ has no condemnation. It, it is the greatest feeling of love that you will ever feel. If you truly get transparent with the Lord and allow him to do the work, there is no better feeling than when he corrects you in that moment. It is the best feeling because he cares about your life um, and he, he wants you to, to live that eternal life now, okay? And so the enemy, on the other hand, does not want you to live that eternal life now, okay? We are promised, you know, a lot of times we think about eternity as the future, like after we pass away and go into heaven and cross over and we're with the Lord, then that's eternity. But the promise that we have since Jesus came is that we get to live eternity now. And all the promises that come with that. And I'm going to stand up here and tell you all that I know that truth, but I have not yet um, attained the great faith to completely live that out. And you may not have either, but He's teaching us. He's helping us. Hopefully some of the nuggets in this book will help you. So the, the goal of this book basically is, um, and we're doing the bait of Satan um, in case you guys just came in. We're kind of picking this book apart. The book goal um, is to expose the deadly trap of offense. Da-da-da. Who's ever been offended in your life? Who's ever felt like somebody did something wrong to you and it hurt your feelings? It wasn't right, okay? Um, this book is supposed to tell us how to escape it. Um, some of you are living in offense. Some of you are aware of it. Some of you are not aware of it. Some of you have dealt with it and are maybe in the process or whatever. Um, but also how to stay free from it and equip us. Who needs equipping? Amen. We all need the Holy Spirit to equip us, okay? And it goes beyond just reading words, all right? It's a supernatural uh, thing that happens, a supernatural equipping that happens that goes beyond just reading words, okay? Um, and so the, I believe the Lord is coming back for a pure bride. And so I think it's necessary that we take care of these things, okay? That we take care and confront 
these things. And some of y'all might be shaking in your boots because, oh my goodness, it's just way easier to live uh, just, you know, it's just little offenses. I just get mad when people do me wrong and, you know, I don't go in major sin over it. So, you know, it's whatever. A lot of us are living in that place. Um, I probably live in that place sometimes of just thinking like, oh, you know, I get offended, but I get over it well enough and move on and operate under the anointing and feel God's love and feel his presence. And I'm just good. But God is coming back for a pure bride, and there is so much in the Word of God that uh, gives us promises um, that counteract this bait of offense that Satan's laying out for us, that it is a deadly trap that we don't need to take lightly. Um, this book, I've even read some, um, some things about this book. There was a doctor in Florida that was giving this book to... Um, patients with physical illnesses, and they were getting healed of cancer after reading this book. A merry heart is good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bone. We read that truth, but how much faith do we have in it? That unforgiveness, that offense, that bitterness, and all of those things can hold Um, up inside of a stronghold, physical strongholds. Maybe you've had chronic headaches for years. And maybe a first question that you should ask yourself is, where are my relationships at? Okay? So to be open um, to attaching spiritual to everything. Okay? That there is a spiritual aspect to everything we do. Okay, dreams can be spiritual, okay? Overeating can be a spiritual issue. Um, There's so many things. So if we we don't need to take um, offense lightly, okay? So he's coming back for a pure, pure bride. I didn't say perfect bride, but a pure bride, a pure bride. And so to seek that cleansing of offense and what we need to do to get there. But change might scare some of you guys, and the author calls this uh, confrontation with truth. Uh, Man, I'm not going to get very far in my notes. I'm only on the first page. That's okay. We got five weeks. We may just get through the first few chapters. Y'all can read the rest. The author calls this confrontation with truth. I feel like these are important things to think about that that sometimes just slip right past us, um, but the enemy is uh, discreetly... Um, getting us. He's hooking us, and we don't even realize it, that we're not living in the freedom Christ has called us to. I mean, I'm right there. He's revealing things to me every week. This is called confrontation um, with truth. We know that being wronged is hurtful and often unjust, and it creates an urge in us to get back at that person or to even defend or protect ourselves. You say, well, there's nothing wrong with defending or protecting myself in that situation. But the reason you're defending or protecting yourself is because you've taken that bait of offense and now you have become offended. Okay? That's why you feel the need to protect yourself or say, I can't believe they said that about me or you accuse me of that. I'm not like that. That's not my heart. And then you go into all these truths about yourself. But and so you justify it as okay. Um, but in reality, you've just taken Satan's bait of offense and become offended. And you think, oh, this might be impossible. <laughs> to overcome, but it is not. The Word of God gives us so many um, tools and truths that if we can have faith in those truths, that we can overcome this. We can. Um, As a church, I feel like we're going someplace. God's moving. Um, Pastor Matt gets up here on Sunday and preaches these messages. He didn't come up with this by, you know, listening to a podcast and he took that message, like the Holy Spirit is downloading these things to him, and he'll come to me, and he's like, wide-eyed, and he's like, um, I just got this word from God, you know, and so like God is like downloading these things to him, and it's because God sees a bride 
That's desiring purity. We may not be there yet, but we desire it. And he, so he's saying, hey, the battle's mine. I'm going to come alongside you and help you win this thing. Okay? And so that's kind of where we're at. And so we need to take this seriously. Um, if we do take that bait, okay, if the offense occurs and we do take that bait, here's what can happen. I just wrote down three things if you're taking notes, um, just so you can go back and reflect that um, it will or can bring a halt to your freedom. And you may be living a Christian life in offense and not even realize that your freedom, uh, that you're not operating in the freedom of Christ because you're so used to it. Because it's been going on for so long. So be open to the fact that, wow. I've, uh, or maybe this is what's been stifling my worship for so long or why I haven't been able to really enter in or feel God's presence. I know he's there, but I haven't been able to feel it. It may be because you have taken the bait at some point in time of offense and become offended. Um, it can limit you from fulfilling um, your potential and your calling that he's placed on your life. And I'm talking to all ages here. Uh, you can be 80 and, and be offended and not ever know that you've been offended for so long because you've been coming to church, because you sing the songs, because you pray, pure prayers. Um, we can be, I think, good intentioned, but be blinded. That's the whole key of the bait, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit too. Um, and, and the third one that I wanted to get you guys to know is that it cuts off, um, it cuts off like a pipeline to the blessing of God, okay? An offended person cannot fully receive the blessings of God. And I'm not just talking about money. Everybody goes to money when they think blessings of God or a spouse that they've been waiting for for years or certain things. But the blessing of God is so much bigger than that, okay? If you've been in the blessing of God, you know what I'm talking about, that it's a... It's an atmosphere. The blessing of God is a peace. It's a rest. It's a joy. Okay? And if all those things are foreign to you, then maybe your pipeline has been uh, dammed up from offense. And so you need to, it's time to go back and kind of dive into that uncomfortable place where the Lord can help you. Okay, get rid of that and work through that. So Luke 17, 1, Jesus said this. He said, then he said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. It is impossible that you're going to live this life without offenses coming to you. Has anybody ever got offended at your own self? I've even got offended. Man, I'm deep in offense, y'all. I've even got offended at my own self, okay? Um, I've got offended. Usually, it's at uh, people closest to me. It's the people that you care about the most that are going to offend you. People are always going to offend you, okay? It's impossible that no offenses should come. Okay, so don't be surprised when an offense comes. Preparation and awareness is key. We know it's coming. We know that Satan is setting that trap. And so with us knowing, we can be on the lookout, right? We can be on guard against those things. Um, offense is a tool from Satan to bring us into captivity. Y'all, doesn't it say somewhere in the word that we're to bring liberty to the captives? That we're supposed to be, that the, the power that works in us is supposed to be bringing liberty to captives? But what if we are captive ourselves? Are you living in the freedom and fulfilling your purpose in Christ? You can't. Even if you so desire to, you're not going to be fulfilling the purpose the way God intends you to. You're not going to get to be the powerhouse that you desire to be for God if you are a captive yourself. It's terrible. It's something to think about, right? I don't want to be a captive. I want to be bringing the captives out. 
Amen? Look at verse 3 and 4 of Luke 17. Take heed to yourself. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. Whoa, I can rebuke people? (laughs) And if he repents, forgive him. Verse 4, and if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. That sounds like a person that would wear me out. Stop messing up. Just do it. Just after you repented, stop doing it again. Right? Um, you just stop. Okay, so let's look at that word rebuke first, because I know some of y'all were like, ooh, I can rebuke somebody? That's my justification right there. Okay, let's look at it. Okay? Um, rebuke, to have words or give corrective criticism. How many of y'all, when you rebuke somebody, you do it with all the love in your heart? (laughs) Oh, if Matt was in here, he'd be like, biggest eye roll ever. Yeah, it's hard. It's in that moment where you're feeling all fiery, you know, like, I can't believe that. You're doing it with the love in your heart, okay? You're rebuking them with all these insults and Oh, I wish I wouldn't have said that statements or eye rolls or or whatever. Um, That's not very helpful at all. But Galatians 5.22 talks about long-suffering as a fruit of the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God in you, then we need to suffer long with the slights and the daily petty offenses that come our way. Man, you think, oh, I have to do that? Such a sacrifice, (laughs) right? To suffer long through those. But it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's an evidence that the Spirit of God is active and working in your life. If you're spending time with the Spirit, He's going to remind you. You all have those moments where you're really reading your Bible consistently and good and really like not just reading but like feasting on it and you feel empowered you know what I'm talking about? Like, you feel like a beast. You're like, I'm coming out of here. I got the word of God. And you're just like, every answer or every question somebody's giving you, you're like, I got an answer for that. The word of God says this. And, you know, God's just working. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And then, uh, so, and so those times you can say, yeah, I can suffer. I saw that offense coming and I'm not doing anything about it. But sometimes we let our guard down. Okay? And we're not feasting and, and we've not really been communing with the Spirit of God. And so we leave ourselves kind of armorless. And, and then that long suffering kind of goes out the window. And then we become what James talks about. He said, don't be like the waves of the sea, tossing back and forth, being inconsistent. Okay, Of course, God's grace will cover our mistakes if we're repentant. But God's saying... I've given you all the things you need to live a godly life. I've given you what you need. Just spend time with me. Okay? And so there's, um, in Ephesians 4, 2, it says that we should love, that we should love with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. So there's something for you. (laughs) Long-suffering. We kind of pass over that one because we really didn't know what it meant because we really weren't doing it, right? I'm right there with you. I'm not just, you know, bringing these to y'all. I mean, God's taken me to the woodshed too about this, okay? That, that long suffering, it's fruit of the spirit and it's a weapon against, against these things. Um, and so rebuking doesn't necessarily mean that we can just let that person have it. It's rebuking in love. Love is the key here. Lovingly address it with someone, okay? Um, let's read us Luke 17, 5 and 6. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Oh, this is so good. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. So the disciples' response to Jesus' teaching on how merciful and lovingly to deal with conflicts and offenses, their response was, <laughs> increase our faith. Because to do these things 
If a person comes to me so many times and keeps wronging me and I have to keep telling them I forgive you and not hold it against them in any way, 0% hold it against them, Lord, I'm going to need you to increase my faith. (laughs) That was their first statement afterwards. Okay, it wasn't the miracles that Jesus performed, uh, sight to blind, all that, that that caused them to come up with that statement of needing to know that, Lord, we need you to increase our faith because we know that it's going to take great faith for me to keep forgiving this person over and over and over without holding an offense against them. So not becoming offended requires great faith on many levels. Great, everybody say great faith. And this was not a gift of faith, okay? This was not a gift of faith. It was asking, we need deeper faith. Everybody say deeper faith. Deeper faith. You know, I just believe that God has these wells for us that are never-ending, They're eternal, and we should be going deeper in those wells, digging deeper. We can't just stay on that shallow surface and do the mighty things that God has called us to do. Deeper faith. Lord, give us deeper faith. Deeper faith. And a lot of y'all have past experiences, trauma, shame, et cetera, et cetera, that maybe has um, damaged, in your mind, your ability to have that deeper faith. But we know that God is greater and that nothing is impossible with God. It's where you need to get out your word and start um, confessing the truths over your life. That you cannot come on a Sunday and hear a sermon that tickles your ears and lifts up your heart in that moment and increase your faith that way. You've got to walk this thing out. You've got to walk this thing out. And you may say, well, I don't have the strength to do that. But the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. You can do it. His grace is sufficient You have all that you need to go and dig deeper in deeper faith. Um, So it's impossible uh, to not get offended without deep faith. And it's so common for me to know biblical truths, but ask yourself this. Do my actions show that I really, truly have faith in the biblical truths that are being taught to me, that are being revealed to me? On Sundays, are you guys yearning to go back and listen to that message again? You were the first one to pat Pastor Matt on the back and say, or text him or call him or say, man, that was the best message I've ever heard. But then you don't think another thing about it. In that moment, uh, it kind of fancied that uh, knowledge side of you or that, ooh, this is good, you know, this is truth. You know, our spirit man acknowledged that it was truth, but are we... Um, absorbing it? Is it allowing, are we allowing it to go into um, our faith and stretch it? Okay? And so we've got we've to let it do its complete work in us. And we think of great faith um, as like yielding miracles, right? Um, which I've seen miracles happen before my eyes. I saw a lady's eyes straighten out. I saw a leg grow out one time. I've seen, um, you know, and the whole place was full of faith when these things happened. And so we think of great faith, we think of um, usually physical miracles, somebody getting healed of cancer or whatever. But the greatest miracles of faith usually have to do with restored relationships. How many of us are living with relationships that are just surface level okay, that have the potential to be restored. But haven't been because we've swept offenses under the rug, because we've learned how to survive the daily with them. 
It's deadly. It's a deadly trap in its deception. He has hidden. He has blinded us. If you have an offense, he has blinded you. That it is not a big deal. That it's really not going to have long-term consequences or short-term consequences. It is, he's deceptive. He is out to kill, steal, and destroy. And we need to take that seriously, that restored relationships. Matt's been talking about this with um, his, his series of Out of Babylon, that, um, you know, that God is not worried about us building a city, okay, a functioning society that's doing this and this and this. He wants us to build a family. What does a family require? Close relationship. And if we're truly doing uh, church, like church in Acts, that's community. How can you have a healthy community of believers working alongside each other if there's a fence in the camp? Even the tiniest offense. If I ask you guys to get out a piece of paper and to write three people that you've been offended by, I can guarantee you every single one of you guys could fill that out, probably in less than 20 seconds. And I guarantee you that at least one of those have not been resolved. Am I right? Awareness. Awareness is key. Christians, we float. That's called religion. When we float on uh, the carpet of, ooh, we've got knowledge of the truth, but the truth isn't in us. It's Babylon. We've not been fully delivered or got rid of it or expunged it from our hearts. Does that make sense? And I'm right here with y'all. Y'all, I'm preaching to myself. But Satan is the enemy of our souls. We need to be aware of that, that every day you wake up, that Satan is the enemy of your soul. He is out to get you. He does not want you to have joy, peace, freedom. He doesn't want anything good for you, okay? But the good news and the truth also is, Peter talks about this, and I think it's First Peter. I can't, First, Second Peter. Um, he, he multiple times refers to God as being the guardian who lovingly watches over our souls. Isn't that good? That he is the guardian who lovingly, everybody say lovingly, lovingly. watches over our souls. What time is it? I want to make sure I get you guys out of here on time. So he's watching out for us, and we can choose to put ourselves under his covering, or we can live according to our own desires and um, our flesh, and then we get out of that blessing, that covering of blessing, okay? And then we're not going to grow. We're going to be coming every Sunday. We're going to be seeking God and in worship and, and these things, and we're not going to be moving. There's not going to be any spiritual growth. Because we're halted um, in offense, whether it's unknown or known. So it's key to not allow um, time passing by or routine, even if it's well-intended church-attending routine, to forget that we constantly need to allow God to protect our souls. Spending time with Him, reading the Word, soul-searching, I love when David said, Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit with me. Search me, O oh God. Know the deep places in my heart. We need to be doing that every single day. And it's the only way to keep the true condition of our heart in check. Um, but we cannot do this if we fall into the enemy's trap, which is hidden. It's deceptive, and sometimes we don't see it. So Christians also often feel like it's necessary to cover up their offenses. Have you ever been offended, but you're like, oh, no, I'm okay. That didn't bother me at all. 
<laughs> I've so been there. Somebody said something to me and somebody come up and they say, well, that was kind of rude. I can't believe they said that to you. That's not, they should not have said that. Didn't that kind of hurt your feelings some? <laughs> no, I'm fine. Because I'm Christian and I know that being offended is wrong. But I still let the offense just take a tiny root. Okay? But you know what's the problem? Is that root doesn't stop growing. Is when we don't take care of it, it doesn't just stay shallow. It grows deeper and thicker. And over time, becomes like that mulberry tree that Jesus was talking about. Mulberry trees are known for their super deep roots. But what did he say that could uproot that mulberry tree and cause it to be cast into the sea? Faith. Faith. So he's given us the tool, right? He's given us the tool. So by faith, we have to confront the offense, the thing that bothered us, the thing that hurt us, even slightly, don't let any more time. Um, y'all, I've laid in bed before and lost sleep over going through, um, and some of y'all may do this too, going through conversations that I should have had with that person. Ah, I should have said this in that moment. Right? <laughs> I hear a few little chuckles. <laughs> Right? Oh, now this was the good response. I'm going to remember that next time that they say that to me. Or the next time that they react to me like that. This is what I'm going to say. And then I've just laid there like replaying stuff in my mind. And it's, I'm telling you, it's always the people that are closest to me. So I'm going to figure out how to fix that relationship. But remember the faith that he fights our battles. Right? It's the faith in God, not the faith in what you have to say. It's not faith in your ability to, to bring justice to the situation. It's not your ability to correct your spouse or to show them that you are really uh, genuine in this and you didn't mean that. And, you know, that argument could go on forever. But God's saying, if you can just have faith in me, you can pull up that root that's gone down deep in you, and it can be cast into the sea, and you can be free from offense. We underestimate faith. To some of us, it's simply become a word that we throw around. But it's floating on the top of our hearts. It's not gone any deeper. It's just on the surface. Faith. Faith that he has given us the tools, that he's fighting the battle for us and with us. But what I was talking about was pride. Sometimes we have shame because we know we shouldn't have the offense. We know it's wrong, so we just deny it. We repress it. And sometimes we have so much pride that... It just leads us to a victim mentality. We hide it and we act all big and bad on the outside. I'm not offended, but secretly we are. And maybe we tell our spouse, I'm really upset that this person did this. And we think it's okay then because we've like talked it out with somebody. <laughs> y'all there with me? Have y'all ever just talked it out with somebody that you really trust? You're like, well, just because I talked it out, then I don't really have it anymore. But then you recognize that the next time you see that person, you act a little bit different. Come on. It's true. You didn't really uproot the offense. You took the bait, and now you're trapped. You're trapped. Pride. I'm going to read something, just a little excerpt out of the book, okay? It said, pride causes you to view yourself as a victim. Your attitude becomes, I was mistreated and misjudged. Therefore, I am justified in my behavior. Because you believe you are innocent and falsely accused, you hold back forgiveness. Though your true heart condition is hidden from you, it is not hidden from God. 
Just because you were mistreated, if you're taking notes, write this down. Just because you were mistreated, you do not have permission to hold on to an offense. Two wrongs don't make a right. Sometimes we're just making the situation a whole lot worse. We often judge our everything is okay meter by the wrong measurements. You say, well, I give, I've attended church, I've pressed into worship as much as I could. Maybe I didn't feel as much as I I wanted to today, but, you know, I know God's there. I'm volunteering, I'm praying, I'm helping others. I listen to Christian radio every time I get in the car. But here's the deal. Let's think about in Revelation 3 when Jesus exposed the, the church of Laodicea. They were blinded because they thought, we're good. We're, we've got wealth. we got money in the bank. We're, things are going great. We're prospering, right? But Jesus addressed their true condition. He exposed their true condition. And that was, he called them wretched, miserable, poor, naked, and blind, There are people coming to church, at times me included, that I'm doing great. I'm here. I made it here today with a smile on my face. I didn't have a smile on my face right before I came in. But now I have a smile on my face because I know God is here. (laughs) I'm just being real transparent with y'all because I know I'm not the only one in this room that has done that. Because we have the knowledge of the truth. But we don't have faith in the truth. Our faith is shallow. And we are just, you say, I'm not like that Laodicean church. I'm a little bit warmer than they are. I'm warm enough to, you know, it not be a problem. But if there is even a slight offense there, it is a problem. It's a major problem. And the enemy's going to have a field day with your mind, with your physical body, with your freedom, with your joy, with your peace, with your relationships. You say, why can't I just get out of this funk? I'm just depressed and I'm this and that. And it very well be, could be because you've never let go of maybe even one offense. One. It just takes one. But I'm confident that there's probably more than that in us that we just have not um, addressed. So I'm going to end on this. What time is it? The time for me? Okay. I'm going to end on this. We've got more. We didn't get done. That's okay. We've got next week. So I love this, that in verse 18 in Revelation 3, that Jesus, he, he gave them the... The answer, okay, to overcome their wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked state, (laughs) okay? (laughs) He gave them the solution, and he said in verse 18, to buy from me gold refined in the fire. Y'all should go read that whole passage later, but I'm just going to read that that little bit that he said, go buy from me gold refined in the fire. Y'all know that pure gold is like soft and pliable. But once pure gold starts getting other metals uh, mixed in with it, it becomes harder, okay? And it's called an alloy. If I got a ring, I'd rather have a pure gold ring than an alloy ring, right? (laughs) Okay? Pure gold, okay? So we can quickly see um, see how that's, showing us the heart, right? It's, it's kind of paralleling what the heart condition should be. That he's saying, buy from me pure gold, okay? That our heart should be pliable and soft and free of the impurities, in, including offense, resentment, bitterness, which is all the things that offense turns into when it's not dealt with, okay? And so... We cannot be purified without the trials and afflictions which separates the impurities such as unforgiveness, strife, bitterness, anger, envy, and so forth from the character of God in our lives. 
Isaiah 48.10, it says, The Lord says, I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. You hate those trials, but it's the very thing that's sifting out the impurities in your heart. The hard things in your life that you hate so much, the trials that you're going through, um, the tough um, relationship problems that you're going through, they're not going to end until you allow that hot refining fire to bring up the impurities out of your heart that is meant to be like pure gold. First Peter, let's end on this. First Peter 1, 6 and 7. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it's a kind of a new perspective on faith, right? That faith is a tool that uproots offense. How cool is that? I've never looked at it in that way. Something to chew on. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So without those tough times, we would still be living out this life, maybe a good old Christian with tons of impurity. And I would rather, wouldn't you rather somebody tell you the truth than lie to you just to make you feel good? Have you ever been in that position? They're like, well, yeah, I didn't tell you that thing was in your teeth because I didn't want to embarrass you. No, if I have something in my teeth, please tell me. Okay? Please, all you guys have permission to tell me if I have something on my face or in my teeth or my hair or whatever. Please, tell me the truth. Be honest with me. I want the Lord to be honest with me. Do we desire honesty or do you desire to continue to be blind? And what you feel is comfort, but that's deception from the enemy because what may seem like comfort and not dealing with things is actually um, torment. You're living in torment and you may not even realize it. It's time to get real with God and say, Lord, I want to go deeper. I want these strongholds in my life to be destroyed, and I'm willing to do the work it takes to get there. I want to build my faith, Lord. See, it just takes these simple, just genuine expressions towards the Lord. Just some, and then he comes down and encounters us. Right? And he shows us these things. Okay? He shows us way out of our problems. Um, we'll pick up where we left off um, next week. Um, we didn't get very far. But if you want to get the book, um, I'll have some books. I'll try to get some books here next week. So if you want to purchase one, you can. Um, but I believe that, that God is doing something. There's a really important point that maybe I didn't get to it this week because it's really supposed to be expounded on. Um, but it changed, <laughs> last week, it changed my life. <laughs> really recent. Um, it changed my life and my perspective on how I deal with people. Okay? And so we'll talk about that next week. Thank you guys for being patient um, and allowing me to read the notes. And, y'all, this book is full of good treasure, good explanation. Um, Good stuff. Let's leave here tonight with leaving um, things that we brought in with us that are unnecessary. Let's leave them here. I just feel to pray that tonight. And um, let's just pray a sincere prayer to the Lord. Can we stand just in reverence to the Lord? Maybe lift up your hands to the Lord in surrenderance. 
and say, God, I, I don't want Babylon to be in my heart anymore. I know that there's work to be done, but Lord, it, the enemy makes it seem overwhelming. And if you're like me, sometimes you get paralyzed because you're overanalyzing everything and you feel overwhelmed. But that's what the enemy wants to do is he wants us to make us feel overwhelmed uh, like we are not even to the place where we can even receive the word tonight, that we're way back there and we've still got a ways to go. But the Lord says, receive my love tonight and exchange every yoke that you brought in with you tonight, every heavy burden the Lord says it's going to be all right. If you let me fight your battles, if you walk alongside me and let me empower you, if you give these things, if you cast your cares onto me, it's going to be all right. Have that faith that it's going to be okay. And if you just have to say that out loud, say it over and over until you believe it. I have faith, Lord, that everything is going to be okay. I trust you, God, and I rebuke doubt. I draw a bloodline around myself, Lord. I know that I'm covered in your mighty blood, Lord, that empowers me to do all things that you have called me to do, Lord. Lord, my mind is free. My body is free. My emotions are free. In Jesus' name, my soul is free. I'm guarded lovingly, Lord, by you. My soul is guarded from the one who is out to take my soul. My soul is guarded. I receive direction from you this week, Lord. Today, I receive direction, Lord. Direction, Lord. Even while they sleep, Lord, let them have sweet sleep, Lord, while they receive divine counsel from you, Lord. If you haven't been sleeping, lift up your hand. You've been having trouble sleeping because of uh, just the enemy having a play day with your mind. Lift up your hands. We're going to pray for you. Lord, I just thank you, God, for your peace, God, that's supernatural. It's divine, Lord. It's powerful. It's unlike any other, God. If, if, if this is not you, let's stand in the gap for those who are not sleeping well. God, I just take back their nights, Lord. I take it back from the enemy in the name of Jesus. And I declare that those hours will now glorify you, God, that they will go into a realm, Lord, of your spiritual goodness, God, that they will be counseled during that time by angels. Lord, that your Holy Spirit will be counseling and giving them words of wisdom and knowledge and peace that will lead them to a place of comfort, of focus. God, that you will download dreams, spiritual dreams, God, that will edify and glorify that Satan does not have a foothold on their sleep or their hours of night. In Jesus' name, we take it back. We take it back with authority. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't he good, church? You feel his presence? He's good. He's good. Lord, you're good. And we praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name. If you need prayer, 